Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large, coming to you from Ann's hotel room at the Toronto International Film Festival. Yes, we are on the awards circuit, traveling from Telluride to Canada, and we, and we survived Colorado and all the movies that were unleashed there. So before we get into what we're up to up here at TIFF, I think it would make sense for us to recap some of the highlights. So how do you want to go about this? I actually thought it would be fun. I, I put a little thing up on, on Twitter sort of ranking my my favorite 19, but that included a lot of um, the can titles and stuff. So we're going to just do what we're not allowed to say, the world premieres from uh, Telluride. <laughs> I even heard people at Telluride introduce movies as world premieres. Come on, they're so world they must premieres. Have pulled, <laughs> they must have pulled back from that. So so we're going to start, and we're going to go five, four, three, two, one. And I'm, uh, I'm going to say, let me just make sure this is the right order. One, two, three, four, five. So my fifth movie, Counting Down, is, is actually extraordinary. It's Waves. And it's uh, Trey Edward Schultz. It's the most a family story. Starts in a high school. Star athlete played by Kelvin Harrison Jr., who's also in Loose, which I highly recommend. Before and it comes at night. His uh, Trey right. Edward Schultz last movie. So they worked together before, and then Sterling K. Brown plays his dad. And uh, all I'm going to say is it's, it's an oddly structured movie. It's a very moving and intense and anxiety-provoking movie. And then there's this coda on it that takes it in an entirely different direction. And I will argue makes the movie a great movie. I think that actually, personally, I was more impressed by the first hour of this movie because it's so dazzling and unpredictable. But I also think what what's, what was notable about Waves was that you know, this was a filmmaker who it was sort of his first entry into fall season buzz of sorts and there wasn't much expectation being thrust on this film and it's been interesting to see it kind of it's discovered. a24 yeah a24 knows what they're doing the movie will next play in tiff uh after the first weekend so it's it's kind of it's got so this some folks are gonna have launch. to wait but there's a lot of buzz attached to it now exactly. and it's i i, I want to stress that it's an unconventional movie it, it it may leave there's some things about it that are not perfect um, it may leave some people cold, but I it's was also melodramatic, in, but directed in a yeah, different kind of way. I was extremely impressed, and I actually think if they play their cards right, and A twenty four does know what it's doing, um, that those uh, that the, the, especially Sterling K. Brown might be able to get a supporting actor nomination, given that he's better known and, uh, and already it's, established. It's on a continuum with This Is Us. I think it's yeah. it's better than what that show. Oh, it's is, a great performance. It's it's a continuation of some of the ideas of that show so what's your fifth one my fifth one i mean caveat we're stripping away the stuff we've already seen it can i'm not gonna put the pedro motivar or film parasite on or whatever or, or the climb right. or whatever the movie that surprised me and and was a, a a telluride world premiere is the aeronauts because yes You're i kidding. thought it was cheesy in a lot of ways but the spectacle of this movie, which is about uh, a balloonist, a, a scientist, and a, and a pilot in a hot air balloon in the 19th century with Eddie Redmayne mm -hmm. and Felicity Jones reuniting after Theory of Everything. When they get up in the air, it's really anxiety producing because it's, it's a total fantasy. It doesn't really look uh, credible what happens to them, but the, but the kind of 
insanity that they go through to survive at these ridiculous heights, I think is really well drawn out with the way that it's, it's kind of constructed. It reminded me to some degree of how gravity plays off of your sense of spatial orientation as they get higher and higher and higher. And you're like, there's no way they're going to get out of that one. And then they have to climb up the balloon in freezing temperatures and do all these crazy things. And then it flashes back to some silly stuff involving their lifestyle uh-huh. and how they got there. And that that's not great. But I'm saying I liked the spectacle of this movie a lot more than I was prepared. To. It was totally unbelievable. And um, Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones do a yeoman job of trying to carry this thing dramatically. She is amazing. I, I love them. She's fantastic. They're, they did a great job. There's a sequence in this movie where, where her, her hands are like frostbitten and bloodied and she's swinging on these ropes off of the basket and the clouds are wisping by and stuff and the expression on her face, is, it sold me on what was happening there. She I did a great job. She really did. But I knew they were in a soundstage somewhere with makeup on her fingers and they were spraying this giant balloon and she was in, no, I don't know how to explain it to you. I am a VFX wonk. I don't and mind the artifice, the, it, it was totally unbelievable. It doesn't and need to be believable to say, if you're there in the moment. Those vistas are really stunning at the beginning, and they're going up and up and up, and you're going, wow, yeah. And then they get boring. So and the, there's also, I don't know how to, there's a way that this director is, is like creating uh, point of view shots and going over here and showing you this vista, and then sometimes it makes no sense at all. Like, well, like he, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, this does not have I didn't real need, suspense. I didn't need, well, the, this I, does I was not have, this I was does, definitely I gripped was by totally everything in the out sky. of the movie. They didn't and it need was to. One, it's down at the bottom of my list. In fact, it's number 19. May as well be in the negatives as far yeah, as you're concerned yeah, once yeah. you banish and it. And I there. also, I also, this is an interesting case though, given that it has spectacle, you would like to see Amazon put it in theaters well, and the give thing. it a proper release. I, at I least know. It has that going for that, it. The they spent like $80 million no, on this No, but the, this the thing. spectacle of the movie, if it if there was more of that, then it, it would be such a no-brainer. But the weird thing about it is that it does have this stodgy period piece it's part to good, it. It's not good, And I Eric. think that if they're dumping this on Amazon Prime, that's what it's they're almost doing. like, well, that's where those kinds of movies go to die. So it's unfortunate that buried in this stodgy period Amazon piece Amazon may not look dumped. at it that way, but uh, that's that's the deal. But yeah, I, I mean, if I watched this movie on a small screen, maybe I wouldn't be kind of gripped But they're not the going to give it a full, they're going to give it like two weeks in theaters. No, again, they're not going to give it a full theatrical release. Just, just remind the caveat is this was one of five completely new movies at Telluride. It was the only one I would say on that top five that uh, I, I'm not saying was a great movie per se, but that there was something about it that appealed to me more than I expected it to. So you know. Maybe I went in expecting more. All right, so I'm my sure. fourth movie is The Two Popes, which I loved. I loved this movie. I was surprised. It was really something of a sleeper hit at uh, Telluride. It was a real word of mouth uh, movie where people were going to see it after also, they when you heard tell, it was good. When you tell people the name of the movie, they start cracking up. So talk about managing expectations. So well, like, it used to be called The Pope, right? Or The Popes or something. And it, they're like, no, let's let's be specific about it's it. It's the There's two popes. Two so it happens <laughs> that one pope, Pope Benedict, played by Anthony Hopkins, is, th- is, is, is calls a meeting with another pope who isn't a pope yet. That is the guy who will be Pope Francis, who's played by Jonathan Price. And what you have are these two wily, canny, veteran British actors at the top of their form working with this great Anthony 
McCartan's script. And this is the guy who wrote Theory of Everything, wrote The Darkest Hour, wrote Bohemian Rhapsody, got nominated for Theory of Everything. He and Darkest Hour, he is a really good writer. And they have this conversation about the future of the Catholic Church that is really riveting. And uh, it's like a tennis match. Well, people were surprised at how funny this movie turned it's really out to funny. be. That it's basically like a two-hander where they're arguing about various aspects of faith and you know the the idea that one has been more critical of the other for not being more progressive in his values and so on is compelling up to a certain point i did feel like it was a little soft when it came to the real problems of the catholic church i mean there's a pedophilia scandal that is acknowledged in a very kind of gentle almost uh you know i wouldn't say i mean uh, they, they the, kind of drown it out the future I mean, pope benedict gets pretty upset about that yeah but i mean you don't they don't he gives really he gives ratzenberger uh, what's his name ratzenberger a really hard time the guy who used to be the nazi when he was right. a kid i mean that's the thing but they barely acknowledge that too there's so much about the dynamic it's between charming these guys. it is charming maybe i just have too as, much of a problem yeah. with the catholic church well, to take what this movie is doing seriously well but. the, the uh, they also recreate the sistine chapel the inside of the vatican so there was some money this was developed real filmmaking at netflix there. and it's fernando moreas who did city of god it's a pretty far cry from where he started or the constant it's gardener. more the constant gardener yeah well, yeah but even that i mean that it's like a more straight drama. The, There's so much levity to this. Yeah, no, he did a good Price job. Is, very, is, is surprisingly convincing for a Welsh actor playing a, a guy from Buenos Aires. He was, was very like, good. Yeah, I thought he was convincing. I was, yeah, I was that, sold. That was, and and Hopkins is doing a, a German accent. So, right. so they're, they're. Um, I would say they're both going to get nominated. I, as I understand it, Price is going for best actor, and Hopkins is going for supporting. Yeah, and I mean, in contrast to some of the other awardsy titles i mean this is one where it's like so clearly def built around those two performances so it's just kind of a no-brainer everybody loves those guys so what's your number four well my my next one would be uh waves um which we've talked about but i would just add to it and say that you know when moonlight came along barry jenkins was a filmmaker i'd been tracking for a long time and i feel like to some degree that's the narrative associated with this one. It's the idea of creating an entry point to, you know, prestige, fall season buzz that, you know, has evaded a filmmaker who's been, you know, more sort of like a film festival secret. And so it was very interesting to see his kind of sensibilities evolve in this context. Yeah, no, he's an exciting filmmaker, and I look forward to seeing what he does next. Um, then the other one that I saw at Telluride uh, that I really liked was a documentary by Drew Moore called Human Factor. And it's very much a follow-up to The Gatekeepers, which was set in Israel and uh, was interviewing uh, a lot of the people who, who were running... Uh, they were the people who were running the... Protection, I guess, is the word. It's 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 about it's about all the people that were very closest to controlling the violence, and they had a much more progressive point of view than you would expect from uh, effectively the head cops in Israel. And so this one's about the American and uh, other nationalities, but from who, the people working for American presidents, working for American um, secretaries of state in the peace process, in the negotiation process. And uh, it was another fascinating look at what really is going on there and how the human factor is getting people in a room, building trust so that you actually have someone like Rabin 
or uh, Arafat, you know, holding right. hands. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, I like Gatekeepers. It doesn't have distribution yet. No, it's looking right? for distribution. And that does seem like the kind of timing. Sony did the other one. Yeah, it's, it's something that people will want to see and talk about because it's obviously nothing has really been resolved about the Middle East peace process. Um, I will say there is one documentary. It's not on my list, but I do want to just give it a shout out, and that's The Kingmaker, because I think that in contrast to a movie like The Two Popes, which is dealing with these historical figures and their kind of complicated relationship to the rest of the world, Kingmaker from Laura Greenfield is very interesting because it's about Imelda Marcos and the Marcos family legacy, and it starts out as almost this charming portrait of this very colorful former first lady, and then you're like, oh, wait, her family was a bunch of dictators and they did all this terrible stuff and they're trying to make their way back into politics and they might get away with it. So Aye. it does a pretty good job of, of doing all of that stuff. The movie that I would like to point out um, as a kind of a documentary-like treatment of a very timely situation is The Assistant, which is not in Toronto. It was sort of a toe dip to bring it to Telluride, this film from Kitty it's Green. It's for sale. Yeah, uh, Kitty Green was a documentary filmmaker. It's her first feature, produced by James Seamus, Scott McCauley. Very interesting project, very close to home for a lot of people we know because it's about a woman who's essentially working for Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, they took his name out. And you don't, but you, and you don't really see him. They don't name the guy. Um, it's mostly um, this amazing actress uh, who, who's on Ozarks, uh, Julia, Julia Garner. Garner. Uh, and um, so she's, she's in every frame of this movie, sitting outside the office, you know, enabling him on some level without being fully aware of what she's doing. But it gets into the whole ecosystem of what's essentially the Weinstein Company and, and, and how maybe it, others. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole thing is this condemnation of workplace culture that uh, allows basically abuses of power to go unchecked. And there's an amazing scene where she goes to the human resource director to complain and is basically pushed further into her hole. And I think that's the thing that this movie could theoretically really do in a bigger way is instigate a conversation about how, you know, HR departments, even if they are, you know, designed to help you on the surface are really just there to protect the company. That's right. So I think this movie will be an interesting one to see who picks it up and yep. how they figure out how to get it out there. It's not an easy sell per se, but it's definitely something that's going to have a life. So I hope more people get a chance to see it. So my other film that I loved at uh, that world premiered at Telluride on the first day is Ford v. Ferrari. Um, and it's James Mangold. Um, it's it's adapting a true story. It's about the 1966 or seven Le Mans race mm -hmm. um, and uh, how Ford, in its uh, competitive verve to uh, you know defeat Ferrari, uh, hired this this great uh, former race car driver and now car designer played by Matt Damon to uh, design the best ever race car and and Damon's efforts to keep his his Ken Miles uh, renegade uh, pure um, honorable but uncontrollable race driver on board and and it's it's really about friendship and workplace bonding but it, and male bonding but it's also about having you know, someone who knows how to deal with corporate culture so it's really also about hollywood it's it's about a lot of workplace scenarios where your purity doesn't necessarily work when you have to deal with corporate bosses i thought it was okay 
the more I think about that movie, the more I realize that I didn't really think about it that much once it was over. And it was a two and a half hour, you know, odyssey, basically. But they're fun to watch, you know, the, the way that Damon and Bale kind of oh, wrestle wonderful. for screen time and stuff. And certainly when it puts you in the driver's seat, it's effective. It just it's so old school to the point where I felt like I'd already seen it before it started. I, I mean, don't think just, so. I think it's about more contemporary issues than than a, it's not just about the race. The race is just the window dressing that the movie's hanging on it's really more about I actually was very moved by the Christian Bale character uh, to the to the point of tears because in in our Trump world he represents a kind of honorable guy that doesn't really exist that much anymore well he's kind of badass he's always getting his hands dirty and he's he's, he's a cool I dad I think it's too simple to say badass I no, think he is. I he's think, always getting into fights with people over well, what he thinks should be the way that because the car he's should a purist be designed. yeah yes. I mean, he's a fun character I had a good time watching Bale it. Bale just... really did well with it. I mean, they're both as good as they've been, I think. And I think Bale could... I'm curious. This is one where I'm very curious. There are a number of different films that have issues with two lead actors. And it's it's something that our my colleague, our colleague, Tom Brueggemann, gets upset about because if you have all these lead actors in the supporting actor category, it's going to drive out the real supporting actors. And it could be really big name actors. It if could you be Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt versus one yeah, of those from guys. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So what about they, Al Pacino? They could put Willem know? Dafoe in there. They could put Al Pacino. They could put... Uh, they could put Matt Damon in there and put Christian Bale in yeah. lead. It's a it's a very interesting question what they're going to do. Yeah, I know, and it, and it also kind of depends on how these movies continue to play. Yeah, for, for they Ferrari's, haven't decided all of them, you know, but that's that's part of what's going the on. The sequel will be how does it play in Toronto and what wins right. that audience? It's really stuff. entertaining this movie, and I think it's going to be a big hit. And I think it it represents the kind of movie that Hollywood doesn't make anymore, and it needs to do well. I mean, it's so funny to me that people just assume it's a, a, a like a dumb commercial movie. It's really hard to make a movie like this. It's not as dumb. Smart as it's they not. Made it. It's not dumb, but it should be a commercial. movie movie if it's not a commercial movie then something's, something's wrong broken right so speaking of commercial movies i love the kelly reichardt film <laughs> <laughs> actually not a commercial movie at all but that's what's so amazing it's that kelly doesn't you know compromise for anyone and this is another film that's not in toronto not because i, I don't think it was that toronto didn't want the movie so much as this is a, this is as usual Do you know? a quiet kind of film my sense from talking to there people, are movies they've turned down well i think what we, in this particular case this is, a, this is a quiet film set in the 19th century give them the about title a, uh, it's called uh, First Cow, which also not not a, not an easy title. Very commercial. But 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 it's it's two guys who in in the 19th century one is a, a cook and the other is a, a Chinese man who's sort of traveling through the Oregon Territory trying to find work and they end up coming across a settlement where there is the first cow in the region and they and they steal some of the milk from the cow to make biscuits and uh oh try boy, to get this it. is exciting no but but what's what's great about it is that the the cow was owned by this wealthy guy named by toby jones and he thinks their biscuits are so great he wants to hire them to make the biscuits for a party but he doesn't know that they're stealing the milk from him so it ends up being this kind of fascinating window into early america you know kind of the stirrings of capitalism in unsettled land which is the kind of stuff that she is always sort of d dug into in different ways but also kind of a sweet buddy movie Movie. No, no, I have not derided. I have not it's seen like this old, movie yet. It's like her film Old Joy. You I know her film Old Joy. I like, I right? It's like Old this. Joy, but in the 19th century. I like her so movies. It, but the thing is, they're going to, they're going to, they played it Telluride. It was a really smart move because Telluride 
got into the vibe, the kind of nice natural scenery vibe of the movie. New York Film Festival will flip for it because that's a homecoming kind of thing. And then they'll save it for next year. Maybe it'll go to Sundance or something, but it'll gradually find its audience with time. So I was happy to see it there. And, and I, I would agree with whoever made the call that it doesn't need Toronto. So we, we have time to return to that one and I'm sure you'll get a chance to see it eventually. So my number one movie out of uh, Telluride is Marriage Story. The uh, Noah Baumbach. Um, I'm finally sure saw you've it. All heard, <laughs> yeah, thank you. You've all heard about it by now. I mean, but it basically, Adam Driver is sensational um, as this uh, New York theater director who really, you know, doesn't um, understand in many ways why. Uh, his wife, Scarlett Johansson, it, wants to be in L.A., wants to take his son away from him. She hires a lawyer. Things descend from there. And it's really well written. It's really well directed and really well acted. And I think both Johansson and Driver will end up with Oscar nominations. So I've obviously talked about this movie to death, and I like it quite a bit. But I really loved Uncut Gems. And, and I've been, you know, a fan of the Safdie brothers Maybe it was the original fan going back to their first film, Pleasure of Being Robbed and, and Daddy Longlegs. And I've always enjoyed their kind of scrappy New York aesthetic and these characters who are so unlikable, but they teach you to be inside their world long enough to be sympathetic. But what they've done with Adam Sandler here is this this dealer in the Diamond District who keeps digging a deeper hole for himself is just so startling and exciting and what i think is so cool about it is with good time they created a, a more accessible sort of starting point for seeing how they can do that with this robert pattinson performance but what they do with sandler is that you're sort of thrown into all this chaos and he's the linking device between it all he has so many different sort of hustles going on all at once and you know they're going to collapse on him at some point it's just a question of when i told more than one person over the weekend 20 years ago, Adam Sandler could have done this character in a more traditional kind of stupid studio movie, but instead he's done it in this really exciting kind of propulsive psychological thriller with a dark comic element to it, and it just feels really risky, and it's the, exactly the sort of thing that you want to see actors like this try. Absolutely. I, I, he's amazing in this. Um, I, I, I admire the skill uh, that the Safties brought to this. I admire the performance that they got out of Adam Sandler. It's one of the best things he's ever done. Maybe maybe since he worked with PTA, you know? But this is um, a movie that's pitched. It's almost um, unbelievable what they did, but they've pitched it at a very, very high level of intensity. Scene, 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 scene. They don't ever let you go. They, it's never dull. It's never dull. You're on the edge of your seat, but it's also really, really loud. And they've taken the sound, and I talked to some people who understand how so sound is made, and they just have ratcheted it up to the very po top possible levels. And then at the theater in Telluride, they had it blasting. Yeah, it's not easy for a theater that's not a permanent theater. And it was the, the Meyer sound, sound system, like which yeah. handled it, actually. But So they took advantage of it. But it was really, really loud. And, and that was all I... I it, it was. It made it painful, in well, a way. It was, a, it was a, a ballsy move for the festival to program this for quite little Telluride, because this is like rock and roll as filmmaking. I mean, well, this is one of those things where the age, the critics went for it in a big way, so it, was, it, it achieved its goal. But that audience there was they not the like, right well, audience. I have a headache, yeah. yeah but, I, but we'll see how it does in Toronto. And then the other question to... I'm is, not sure it's an Oscar film except well, perhaps for well, Sandler. That's the thing. It's like Adam Sandler, we know Adam Sandler does not love 
to he's doing do some this press. Stuff. He's, he's doing, doing some, some press. but does he even care about winning an Oscar? I mean, they, this oh, is they a, all care. <laughs> does he though? I mean, he's Adam Sandler. He's a pop culture icon. I think it's a very unique question that we'll have to keep assessing as the season continues. So let's talk about some of the ones we left out. Um, you know, in other words, um, Motherless Brooklyn is a beautiful, elegant, well-mounted, well-acted adaptation of the Jonathan Lethem novel. And in fact, the movie was so interesting to me that I've, I'm reading the novel. And the novel's great. And I recommend the novel. It's much better, actually. I actually think so, too. Um, but I can see what I see what Norton was attracted to. Edward Norton wrote and directed this. And He's amazing in the movie. His performance is a great performance. I Tourette's. see exactly yeah. why he was attracted to it. But whether uh, he managed to... Um, create something compelling enough for it's wide too audience many moving parts in yeah it, is the issue and it's too much in the shadow of chinatown and there's just a lot of things that you can you put see it in the 50s the book i read is in the 90s yeah exactly and, and and there's something about it that too that just kind of flattens it to some degree so it's not as as great as i think and we then there's hoping. judy where um renee zellweger gives an amazing performance as judy garland at the end of her life right at the end of her life like her last concert tour um and before she died of an overdose so it's pretty intense and i think zellweger knocks it out of the park the movie itself eh. so corny <laughs> uh, I rolled my eyes so many times. The ending, can I just say the ending is, is probably the cheesiest ending of a movie I've, I've seen in recent history. I mean, it was just so, like, how did they not crack up trying to get people to take this? I won't spoil it, but Don't oh my spoil gosh. it. Don't spoil it. Well, so in the last couple minutes that we have here, we're in Toronto. Yeah. We're in a whirlwind of stuff. You know, it's a common complaint and a compliment to this festival that it's just too big. Well, so. there's a lot of stuff that we're checking out. Just Mercy with Michael B. Jordan um, is is one that, that people are really eager to see. Uh, Beautiful from, Day in a Neighborhood. Yep, yep, yep. The other one, and then the third Tom one would Hanks, be uh, yeah. Jojo Rabbit. And some of us need to catch up on what we missed in uh, Venice. There's The Laundromat from Netflix. Netflix has a very strong lineup. They have uh, Dolomite is My Name, which I want to see with Eddie Murphy. Right, and everybody's chasing that audience prize. I mean... This time Absolutely. last year, even now, don't forget. So we're recording on a Friday. It was a Tuesday last year. The Green, Green Book. Green Book. And, and I was at the screening, and I went to see A Star is Born play really well here uh, at the big theater as well uh, last year before it became a really big hit and a big Oscar-nominated it's movie. It's unfortunate that on some level the audience price is so tied to this award season narrative because there's like 200-something movies here, and it would be great to see something from, say, the Discovery section that's just a surprise crowd-pleaser take that award. But you know it's going to be probably one of the ones we mentioned, and the question is which one's going to play the loudest, have that kind of impact. It isn't and, loud, know. necessarily. It's 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 also about being moved. It's, and having it's a about, big star there, that helps. Well, but, you know, I don't think of a Mahershal Ali and Viggo Mortensen as huge stars. No, you know, I mean, you know, maybe... Not, it didn't come in big and it didn't leave big. It won the audience prize. I think with Green Book, it was a, it was a special exception because that, that it had enough visibility and it was a bigger kind of a Very film. low expectations and on that one. And the expectations were so low. Oh, that worked in its favor. Yeah. This year, it's like an interesting question. Something like Dolomite, you know, if it's good enough. And Eddie Murphy is really, really great. And everybody's really happy to see him back doing something like that. That's the kind of thing. Marriage Story is here sure. also. Marriage building building up more buzz. Yeah. And Marriage Story is one of the only ones that's doing all of the fall festivals. And, and coming out strong. It's like a snowball rolling 
getting yep. bigger and bigger as it as it proceeds. Yeah. So it's kind of fascinating. I mean, I I try to survive the insanity of the first weekend on very little sleep so that I can get on the other side and explore Tiff a little bit more. Well, Jojo I mean, Rabbit's the other. Yeah, that'll one. end the weekend, right? That's right. Saturday. That's Sunday night. So if, if that movie is not considered, you know, too offensive or whatever with it with its its Hitler aspect i'm curious you know we'll I have see. to say and then harriet is is debuting here oh that's the tuesday one yeah so if we so we get on to the other side of the weekend maybe harriet benefits from being over there or maybe it's sort of a done deal with one of these other things i don't know i'm just looking forward to exploring a little bit more maybe going to one or two midnight movies i don't know how often you you go to well, those well then there's I, a I whole a there's a whole them. slew of movies that are here for sale there's the whole acquisitions market and that's also going to be very revealing in terms of what's going um what's going on in the marketplace you know it's a weird time a lot of films have been in 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 theaters and failed that were bought for big numbers at sundance like late night and and um uh the the, the other um bruce springsteen movie blinded by, blinded the, by light. the light yeah and they didn't you know, you know blow up at fail, the box they were, office they, they were they, they cost so much that but you know someone effective. was telling me at a bar in telluride every year on some level there's like something that fails and everyone's like all right we're not we're going to be more responsible with our spending and then they overspend and then every year somebody does and to some degree that's because you can't stop the insanity of the festival bubble and the hype machine and the prices well, go up after something plays really big and all that kind of stuff. A lot of people want to know what Amazon is actually doing. It's like it doesn't make sense exactly. There, There is no plan that is discernible Well, and they're not going to get people. out there and explain it to people uh, Well, either. we'll see. Uh, I think there's a story in The Hollywood Reporter about yeah, that. Yeah, but, but it's all spin. It's, it's really a question of, of what, their, what their end goal is. Uh, Netflix is more discernible. And Apple is just biding their time. I mean, Netflix really, strike. yes, exactly. Netflix <laughs> seems to be making its own movies, looking for awards, and making movies that the studios won't make. And they seem to be awards movies. Right. Well, we'll see how it plays we'll out. We'll see how it plays out. So next week, I guess we'll have another list of our favorite movies, but it'll be all Toronto stuff. So as the fall season continues, we're in the thick of it. I'll see you soon. It's the fun time.